absentee parent of podcasting is back your weekend parent the podcast hosting q lynn if you're new here we we have we i just like having a good time with my guests and and so we i feel like this guest that i'm getting ready to introduce i'm just get right into it i usually try to set up with a couple of jokes but i'm just gonna get right to it because this guest right here is multi hyphenated and i just want to get to the goods i feel like his his uh his his titles is about as long as the as the new te- as the old and new testament so i'm gonna get straight to it <laughs> he's a multi-hyphenated creator professional a chart topping songwriter and producer for listen the, the like i said before his credits as long as the bible so listen we go for <laughs> go it's uh listen as long he just did a record last year with george clinton for his uh pledging or was it the the cues that yep, uh, yep. atomic doll, the the yeah, the ultimate classic, just redid that. I mean, did a rendition of that. He also is listen. He, he just got another chart topping hit last year with uh, was it uh the the extraordinary actor and uh, singer uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah, his father yeah. is uh, the legendary L. Spencer Smith. Listen, listen, his credit's long too. Listen, we we I be sitting here all day listening to all the credits, but listen, he's a just just to list off. He's a graduate of the NYU music, music business graduate program. He's also uh started his professional career in 2014. So he's got exactly 10 years in the game. Universal Music Group, mm-hmm. Sony Music Entertainment. He's, he has so many long list of credits. I've been wanting to talk to him for a long time, and I'm glad to have him on the show. Listen, we just gonna get right to it. Y'all give it up right now for Mr. Mel Smith. There we go. Yes. My producer, he's gonna add in the Arsenio <laughs> Hall claps. He's gonna add that. That's gonna nice. look add that right now. Yeah, you're gonna hear it. There we go. You hear that applause? Thank you. The, the Thank you. And holler. Love- there we go. Thank you. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been wanting this to happen for a long time. Yeah, but yeah long listen, time coming. How, right, exactly. And I'm glad to have you on. <laughs> I start off every podcast episode, this segment I like to call the musical genesis. Hopefully the Saints don't get mad at that. It's basically get to the beginning. Of the, <laughs> usually when I have musical guests on, we get to the beginning of the story. So hopefully, you know, they get sensitive sometimes. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm on the... I'm on the heathen side right. of the, the Christian realm. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so, hopefully, they don't get mad. They get mad sometimes. Yeah, that'd be fine. They used to get mad that'd on my radio. Oh, they used to get mad on my radio show when I say that. They're like, you going to hell for playing with God. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, yeah. It was very so extreme. So, I just so do it to, just to get them, just get them, you know, worked up a little bit. I'm kind of a heathen. So, I like to, you know, work the saints up a little bit. But, That's it. I you. we get. <laughs> get to your your the beginning of your story i'll just ask what was your first introduction to music wow um so 
I guess my first, one of my first introductions to music was actually captured. So um, like you said, my father is mm. Elsmith Smith and um, his first, I believe it's his first, his first placement was with the Family Gospel Choir. Um, he arranged and sung with Karen Clark Sheard, um, I Won't Complain. So the skinny black man that was singing with Karen Clark Sheard, that's my father. Um, and so yeah. that was, I, I believe that's the first concert I've ever been to. Um, Cause I was like around wow. one, one years old, well one year old. Um, and so we were at that recording, um, me and my sister, my twin sister and my mom, uh, we were at that recording. Uh, so I believe that is, that's the first memory I have with music. But as far as like what comes to mind, I grew up in the church. My dad is a, is a pastor. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely have that <laughs> growing up in the church uh, story that everybody has um, or almost everybody has. I don't know about mm-hmm. now, but um, there used to be a time right. when everybody would start in the church. And so that's where, you know, my music mm-hmm. uh, background began. Um, you know, my uncle, is an incredible producer, works with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, but he started in that church as well, uh, playing for my dad. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, you know, under him and, you know, our church choir, you know, turned into like this recording artist um, for gospel music lovers out there. If y'all know a song called Surgery, um, that's that was my mm-hmm. church choir. So I would have that every single Sunday for decades really um and so that's that's where I kind of started man like that's where I cut my teeth I got really involved in singing in the choir singing on the praise team singing in the youth choir singing with the men like that that was my thing I started playing drums in church so you know music was really um the connection that what the church was the connection that I had to music um and you know that's that's where it all started for me and then Eventually, I went into like you know doing R and B and like being in the studio and all that type of stuff. But yeah, it started all started all in uh, in the church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, um, and then it kind of just rolled in Tuscaloosa. Many people don't know where that is, which is totally fine, um, <laughs> but they may know the football team. Right. Uh, so right. you know, roll tide. <laughs> Roll Tide. That's that's where it started. Right. That's that old SEC football. Yeah, you got to be a heavy football fan to know where that's at. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, your introduction. So, who was it? Do you remember most? Like, so was it mostly just gospel music because you grew up in the church and, you know, your father's minister? Was that the church? Would y'all allow to listen to? secular music uh yeah so (laughs) the funny thing the funny thing about my like childhood because i know a lot of people who grew up in the church they're not allowed to listen to r&b um my father was never that way because he started off as a musician he started off as a a recording artist he started off as a songwriter um he that kind of got derailed to become a pastor Uh um and that whole story is just you know that's a whole nother story, but his dreams and aspirations right. revolved around music, being in the music industry. And on top of that, mm-hmm. his dad was really into music. And honestly, my grandfather, um, my late grandfather, he is really um, the connection I had to soul music, you know, because a, a lot of, the, you know, he was also a heathen. 
and so, <laughs> uh, so he grew up he grew up listening like in that he grew up in that time of like 70s soul music and um the funny thing the funny thing about that is even though he grew up you know listening to soul music my grandfather because of my grandfather my grandmother my dad's mom was a pastor so he had literally the mm. best of both worlds so i think that definitely benefited me um even though we were you know raised in the church and definitely grew up on gospel music i would say that most of my knowledge revolves around gospel music um that's the foundation of you know everything i do musically but um having that education um and not just soul music but all types of music my grandfather was he was a band director um so that that was mm -hmm. his passion music was his passion and so i was really able to like listen to everything like listen to r&b jazz mm -hmm. oh my god jazz soul pop of course um growing up in the late 90s in you know early 2000s pop was huge at that time and so of course we listened to everything that our friends listen mm -hmm. to um you know we'll be with our church friends you know listening to confessions in the summer of 2004 going on the church trip and so like it like that duality has right. always been there in um, my musical background. And so when you listen to things that I do specifically, you will notice that it's like, okay, there's that tension, I guess, tension there um, in the music. And I think that's actually what makes um, Black music so special, just the relationship between gospel music being a foundation. We, we call it, you know, one of the core three um, um, of Black music. And then we also put that with, you know, the secular aspect of you know music mm -hmm. but i think that's what makes what makes you know what we do specifically special so i always had the freedom and i honestly i'm thankful um that it worked out for me like that way because again i know some pks mm -hmm. they're like i cannot listen to nothing but you know <laughs> shirley caesar and you know the caravans yeah. i'm like no that wasn't my story so yeah <laughs> right and right and and the thing is, I always put it in context because we were there during that time. So it's never, mm -hmm. I think for me, it was new to me when I was in my early 20s because like touring and is like most of the musicians, like when I was uh, did R&B, because I started out doing R&B gigs, most of the R&B, mm -hmm. uh, the musicians that did R&B, they came from church. And so some of them had different right. denominations from Kojic and all that stuff. And they were telling me, I was mm -hmm. like, what? <laughs> Cause, I, Cause I just thought it was normal. Cause where I was from, that's what we listened to. Like Saturday night was mm -hmm. club. We listened to uh, for the ninety nine taking over for the ninety nine two thousand and went right back to church yeah, Sunday. Yeah. So that was nothing. Yes. I mean, like I said, we grew up either. So it wasn't like that right, was normal. Right, right. <laughs> Me going Absolutely. to church listening to Manny Fresh and <laughs> yes, listening to yeah. BG and all them, you know, yep. and then going to church the next morning listening to. Shirley mm -hmm. Caesar, can't yeah. spirituals. That was normal. So. Yeah. But it, it, it's no judgment, you know. I mean, when I found out about it, it wasn't like, oh, man, y'all. It was just like, oh, I'm glad I didn't grow up that way. That was more of my perspective. Right. Like, I'm just glad I didn't grow yeah. up in that. Because I, I told you guys, I was like, I've been straight out of it more heathen, heathenist than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been. Listen. What? I would have been completely opposite. Yeah. It was that's why I wear so much lipstick now because I couldn't wear it. We could. It was just music oh, wow. wasn't really a limitation. Really? It was 
Mm-hmm. We couldn't wear lipstick. We couldn't wear uh, britches. That's what I'm country. Like, that's no what pants. I say. Britches, my god. Right. I'm country black. To all the listeners, I'm country black. We, we say the band. We don't say sofa. We say the band. Where I'm from, mm-hmm, I'm from mm-hmm, we say the band. Mm-hmm. Your grandmother said, okay. get up off that arm of that van and get somewhere and sit down. And that's how we was talking to you. That was, that was the gentle parenting I wow. received. As a, as yes, a, exactly. <laughs> It was like, get to where it's set out and quit making up all that record right. and all that noise. Correct. Yes. <laughs> but no, it's just, yeah, we, yeah, we couldn't wear, we couldn't wear britches. And, oh, go ahead. My bad. I didn't cut you off. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm just, I'm just saying like, we had that balance. Um, and I think right. that, I mean, and not just in music, like you're saying, it was in, it was a cultural thing um, at that time. We, mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm not sure when you were born, but I, I'm a 90s baby. And so by that time, we kind of moved out. 80s, of, like, late 80s, late 80s. Yeah. Okay, you're part of that too. Yeah, so it, it kind of kind yeah. of moved out of that more traditional aspect of things. Um, but it wasn't completely, you know, liberal like we are now. And so I, I think that balance yeah. oh, <laughs> sure. definitely made us yeah. well-rounded. They, they, you know, they couldn't even, I grew up, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Kurt Franklin, pretty much when he came out with stuff oh, like they was cool with the first album. But when he came out with Stomp, he I, I said on the the one episode, I said he might as well had two guns in his hand because that's how yes. I said they yes. did not want us yes. singing at a church. <laughs> yeah, it, it got it got dicey for sure, for sure. So you know, yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight. That Kurt Franklin, yep. they was over. They was like, absolutely not. Y'all Ooh, not yeah. singing this. Doing praise and worship, not yeah. require our day, none of that. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But my next question, I'm gonna ask you, uh, just kind of stick with that because I feel like um I like asking childhood questions. I feel like however your your work ethic is now, I feel like it has everything to do with how you were brought up in terms of like mm-hmm. how your father, because of course your your father's legendary in the gospel realm. In terms of that teaching, in terms of like your introduction into music and playing, were you musically inclined in terms of like playing instruments or was you just in the choir singing? What, what was that uh, like in terms of your participation in church? Yeah, so um, I, I, I actually did not start off singing. So my first instrument within the church, okay. I played the drums. Um, I was more interested in that. Okay. It felt cooler. Um, and I don't even know why I'm saying cool because mm-hmm. I was literally maybe like three. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, would, I, I would play for the, the youth choir or the children's choir at that time. And so um, I mm-hmm. did that for a minute. And at a certain point, I, get, <laughs> I don't know if it was because I got tired of it or if it was because I saw that I wasn't getting good enough at it. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, um, oh okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what led me to doing singing strictly because at a certain point I was doing both or I was trying to do both. Um, but of course, uh-huh. the children's choir did the drummer, then I'm that person. So I, I wasn't able mm-hmm. to sing with them. But when I got into like my teenage years, um, I leaned like heavily mm-hmm. in singing. But I always knew how to sing. Like I knew how to sing very well. Um, before, you know, me and my sister could even talk. Well, this is what my parents say before we could even talk, we would know how to sing and know how to harmonize and like listen to the whinings and listen to like, you know, Men of Standard and all these people, and we would be singing to it 
Um, and so I think that just came naturally to me, even though I had rhythm. Um, I think singing uh, and everything that came with it, I think it came naturally to me. And so I just started leaning more, more into it and I, um, I just enjoyed it more. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why. Um, I'm sure there's some level of showmanship. Uh, the states call it like, you know, being in your flesh. I'm sure that has some part to do with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just I just enjoy singing more. And at that time we had a youth choir that was going around the city and going around the state singing. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just leaned heavily into like being, I guess, the quasi, you know, leader of of that and um yeah it just it just worked out and then from there I was being poached to sing with the adults uh in the praise team and then the choir and you know I mean it was it was all it was all good but I, I definitely um I started out playing the drums I'll say that um but mm-hmm. I've been ending singing and singing you know in the choir and all that stuff so it was it was just more of an interest to, to just sing in the choir. You, you And then that progressed to just singing. You just learned your voice and being in the choir. How, how long did you were you in the choir? Were you there from like grade school, middle school, uh, high school? Yes. Or Right. Okay. So I, I was singing. Um, I was singing since I was a kid. So I started out, like I said, I started out in the children's choir. Um, I play drums sometimes, but sometimes I would sing, but mm-hmm. I would want to play drums. And so that's where I started. But when I left the drums completely, um, I was like a preteen, um, which okay. that whole process was weird because of course, when you're a preteen, you're going through puberty. And so I used to sing really high, like my father, like I used to sing soprano high. And so that would be the showstopper. And I guess that's what made me be like, hmm, I could right. do this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but but they right, really right, came right, right, and right. shot shot my voice down to <laughs> hell. And it so, made it made it drop. Um, right, 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 right. Oh my god, it, that that was a hard thing. And then you know, singing in the church, you know, you have to be able to work, you know, work a song and you know, work an audience or whatever. And so, mm-hmm. um, by doing that, I just I stretched my voice. And then you know, I joined the youth choir. But I would be singing with the youth choir. I would be singing with the adult choir. I would be singing with the praise and worship, like, at the same time. So um, mm. it was just at a certain point, like, from middle school to when I graduated high school, I was just singing. Like, I would be singing every Sunday <laughs> and just stretching my voice. And, I mean, I like, like you know, lead I or just, doing or it. just uh, doing I mean, so it, it, you know, it depends on what what you know what i'm needed for i would usually sing in the background um because that's why i I just felt more comfortable there um because of course singing lead there's just more involved in it especially singing in the church (laughs) so i i didn't feel like i was quite ready for that but when i would need to lead a song i would do it you know i'll make it work okay um, that makes sense yeah yeah wait were you that kid? What, what kind of kid? Were you? I know this is a silly question. I'm just asking this because I'm just curious. Uh, what kind? Were you paying attention to everything? Like when you were, because when I was uh, in choir, I was mostly like looking at all everything. Like I was just an observant kid, so I'm watching. Because what did that? Wait, before I even go there, what denomination do you come from? 
Okay. I actually no, I love this question. Because, <laughs> because because it is layered. So my dad, he grew up Pentecostal. Like hard okay. Pentecostal from South Carolina. And so we have we have that. The church that he took over mm-hmm. is the church that I grew up in. That was my mother's okay. father's church in Alabama. Okay. That's a Alabama that was an Alabama Baptist church. So it was a Pentecostal preacher coming to a strictly Baptist church. So I, and then at the same time Oh, okay. So you grew up Baptist. Like, okay. No, no a mix of both thing. That, yeah, exactly. A mix of both. So we say okay. that it's like a Baptocostal slash non-denominational because <laughs> we also had that going type of church. Um, okay, I you got know, you. They didn't, quite, they didn't quite have a problem with Kirk Franklin on youth Sundays, but if you tried to do it right. like on a regular Sunday, it was like... Mm. Um, That's but, what it was. It but, was like... <laughs> they were yeah, straight yeah, old yeah, school. Yeah. They was like, nope, you better have some yeah. uh, stockings. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure. Because I used to wear my, because I was getting taller when I was in grade school, so all my my dresses they like you better put them the pantyhose <laughs> on and stuff. So, so, yes, <laughs> you could, you Listen, they still ask about that. You be a grown adult, they like you ain't got no stuff. Like, ma'am, I am. Yep. Fully grown. No, no I do not actually. But thanks for asking. asking. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. why I ask that because it's like the different experiences with uh, just mm-hmm. observing it in a church. It was like devotion. That was like most of like mm. how they start out service, and you watching the deacons. They used to man that that was like a whole thing by itself. Because as a kid, you yeah. watching that, it's like man, this is taking too long. <laughs> Because yes. <laughs> of song, and they'll start out like, uh, what is it? I love the Lord, He heard my cry. Mm-hmm. You sing about two of them? Uh, but you, I didn't you know, know what they were singing. I thought, yeah, I thought they was humming. I didn't know what they were singing. Exactly. But <laughs> they, the, the funny thing about Lord, that is, like, He heard. Right. <laughs> But the the funny thing about that is I my first time experiencing um, devotion was when I went to college. So I, I when I went to college, I went to E. Dewey Smith's church, okay. and he um, he has like a, a Baptist church, and so I just didn't grow up. I didn't grow up singing that or seeing that because by the time you know I came with my dad, and so he brought all of that Pentecostal. Stuff. It was just different. It, it was oh, okay. Different. That's when why I t- said it's mixed up. Got you. Okay. Right. When I t- when I tell people what kind of church I grew up in, they're they're always kind of confused because it really was just a blend of so many so many different worlds. And then at the time of the black church, especially like in the late nineties, the early two thousands, and even going to like mid two thousands the culture of the church just changed drastically and we talk you know we talk a lot about kirk franklin and the impact and the influence of god's property and then also you got the influence of brad hammond and radical for christ and then you also got the influence of israel and new breed so i i literally went to church when that whole wave was hitting the black church and so it it really was like a different completely different experience than you know my parents got um 
you know and so i mean the the church embraced it it was a big it was a big church for college students we have an hbcu um in the city um and then of course we have ua and so at a certain point our church was specifically like majorly full of college students um and my father he was a very a very young pastor i think he started pastoring them when he was like 24. um and so mm. just that youthful energy was just always always in the building and so it, it really was a different and honestly i'm so thankful that i grew up that way because i think it um it allowed me to freely explore what i could do spiritually but also what i could do musically um in in the safety of the church i didn't have to go outside you know looking for you know anything because really the church let me just figure it out they saw that i was musical and they were like all right cool go up and sing do, do your thing man um and we'll support it and yeah. I, I think that really helped me um in the long run with confidence you know and so now i'm able to try different things in different rooms and um just do that because of the foundation i got you know so yeah i relate to that a thousand percent because that's how mm -hmm. like especially when i started playing i mean of course you start playing the drums i think it's mostly i don't, I don't know if you relate to it but it was like sort of a hierarchy with the musicianship. Like it was like, it was like set people yes. on the music instruments. So it was like the organ. I couldn't yes. play the organ. I wanted to play the bass, mm -hmm. but it was already somebody there, guitar. And they're like 30 years in, like they're like way older mm -hmm. than me. So most yeah. of the younger yeah. musicians went to uh, the drums because that, you know, mm -hmm. everybody would change out. And if you wasn't right. good, guess what? You about to get off them things. Get up. Ooh, I've had that happen to me a couple of times. <laughs> They're like, uh-uh. You, you're not keeping it's, up. It's usually yeah. the tempo chain. Yeah, the tempo yes. chain. When you get up in there, you know, the tempo chain, you're like, uh-uh. Yeah. All right, they'll do it midway. Listen. Right when the song yep. is happening. Yes. It's like, uh, get up. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. When they, when they start, the, they get ready to bump, and you can't keep up, yep. they're like, okay. Let's, right. let's get on that. It's okay. Ahead. It's all right. You can try next yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Absolutely. Thankfully, yeah. I had had that. It was just other musicians I saw, and I was like, oh, I need to get this right. And it, it was yeah. also, yeah. like, for me, my honing those skills, like, discipline, because it was, like, my my music mentors in church, they were straight old school, Jane Brown style. It was mm -hmm. like, and this, I, I know this mm -hmm. probably, I don't know if you, we was the cassette tapes with in rehearsal, so mm -hmm. it was like, like, oh yeah, you only had about two, three times. He, and mind you, he rewinding it back for his part. You got to figure that out while he figuring wow. it out. It is by by the time this song is over with, you better have it down. I don't know what it felt like to not Ooh. have it down because it's like no, that's the expectation of no, you better get this right yeah. before this record before yeah. we hit pause and stop, stop. You better have this down before this cassette is yes. over with. And so, yes. and then it's like. All right. It was no, oh, you did so well at that. You did so great. Nope. Next one. Let's go. No, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't, yes. I could get affirmations. There was no affirmation to people under 30. Ooh. There was no affirmations. If you grew up the way I grew up in church, it was no mm -hmm. affirmations. It was, nope. As long as you didn't mess oh, up no. and you got to yes. some things, it was, right. you did what you're supposed to do. It but but I job. grew up, yeah. But all that discipline, like learning that, it was just me just really, I didn't really start paying attention to stuff in church until I was a teenager, until I started playing the keys. Mm -hmm. And then, like you mm -hmm. said, with that freedom, 
my my mentors they gave me that freedom because I would just play and it sounds crazy because when I say it but I learned backwards because I started when I learned how to play mm. the keys I was jazz and classically trained so I was backwards I started oh. playing the keys outside of church and then when I got back in the church I started I didn't understand how to play gospel until I would listen to R&B yeah. records and it was like oh this kind of sounded like commission I was like wow oh. and I'm listening to yeah, I'm listening to like Jodeci. I was That's like, man, incredible. this is some. I was like, yeah, and Prince. I'm like, listen. I was like, wait, this is all church mm-hmm. chords. And then I'm listening to blues, yep. like Albert King. I'm like, oh, it's a three, four, five. I was like, mm-hmm. this is blues. Mm-hmm. And that quartet drive. It's like, oh, this is just uh, yep. like funky blues. And so, yep. learning all that. And I listen. I I don't have no shame. I was playing Prince, Erotic City, Dort Offering. I I don't have no yes. shame. <laughs> <laughs> I would disguise the court. It would get to a point where I would get bored and try to disguise it. I'm like, they ain't gonna know what this is. The only mm-hmm. time I got caught was mm-hmm. uh, I played Bob Marley's Kinky Reggae. I did the, I could have covered it up, but I just like, dunk, 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 dunk. Uh-huh. I was just playing those uh-huh. chords. And the bass was like, I, 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 don't do that. I was like, how do you know what I'm playing though? Exactly. How do you know I was playing how exactly that? do you know? But, See, but, you know yourself. But then, but yeah, they were like, but they would let me play like Stevie Wonder though during that mm-hmm. I would I'd be playing like Ripping in the Sky like that's very blatant. They're like, yeah, play that. I was yes. like, really? You want me to play? That? <laughs> you want me to do? That was safe. But yeah, that was safe. Right? You know, yeah, that was a safe one. Yeah, it was Kinky Reggae. That mm-hmm. was too much. I was going too far. Yeah. too far to the. <laughs> Come on back. Come but on yeah, back. I, yes. right. Come on, bring it, reel it in, reel it in. But I, I understand completely what you're saying. <laughs> It just growing up in church, church culture is different. It was just for me, it was like under like when I started playing the organ, it was just like how the pastor's tone, because everything has a rhythm too. I realized like everything has a rhythm and a pattern. And so mm-hmm. like with listening to pastors, they would have a and I would just sit, like it'd be I'll get to a point where I'll just when I'd be at the organ, I'd be looking at the pastor. And I, I look at his notes, and I'm like, if he got more than three notes, I'm like, oh, I could go to fellowship hall and get me something to drink real quick. Why he? Yes. <laughs> why he doing this sermon? I like, but if I saw, right, right, right. if he flip it, if he flip it through the notes fast, it's like, oh, he gonna be here. He gonna he gonna be a quick little mm-hmm. twenty minutes. It ain't gonna be a almost mm-hmm. forty minute sermon. It's gonna be real quick. And right. then when he start tuning up, it's like, all right, I'm about to get you a D flat, sir. Yep. I'm about to get with you. Come yep. on. <laughs> Church yep, culture absolutely. is so funny. People, if you never grew up in church, it's just certain stuff that happened in church. It's just so yeah. funny. And you like this stuff, the, the, the right, you had to been there. The lingo, <laughs> I, certain stuff you only hear in church. Like, woke up in my right mm-hmm. mind. I don't know what that means yes. still to this day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess boy, I guess I wake up in my wrong mind. That, as long as you don't wake that's up in it. your wrong mind like me. I think as that's long what as I you mean. don't wake up in your wrong mind. <laughs> The highways and byways. I don't I don't know what yes. that means at all. He's <laughs> <laughs> like the highways yes. and byways. <laughs> What's a byway? I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, the preachers and then then my pre my pastor was old school. He said we're gonna have some show up church today, not church. Listen. Church. <laughs> some show up church. He was country. Listen, I love yeah. I miss that. That's why, that's the only thing I miss about church is that good old country black. Look, I grew up yeah. country, like the, the pastor, the preacher, the guest speakers would come. They had that slick back perm that turned into an S curl when they started sweating. And they got that outline gold tooth with them double 
the breast oh, suits man. that look like Steve Harvey collection, the big oh, ass suits. Man. Just hot. <laughs> Just hot, but they, they say like they didn't broke two ribs. That's what I miss about church is them preachers. Yes. They they sound like they didn't broke two ribs when they look. The I love the pastor intro. He's like this Hilarious. next speaker when the when the choir come, this is the preacher, mm -hmm. this preacher right here, he can show them up preach. And his brother yeah. <laughs> They got all got a group of brothers that can sing. He be like, they been him and his brothers. Right. They was in a group that right. can sing for real. Mm -hmm. Look, they yep. they play this song right here. Look, this this all the guest speakers in the nineties would sing this song. Hold on, this is this is the sound they used to sing. But when I, when I look around, yep. yeah, I the every guest speaker I've ever played, they. This right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yep, yep. They're coming out of this. They get the whole church Listen. Right. Look, they get to the whole church. But the whole church out in the first row. Everybody, yes. Yeah. Look, <laughs> this part right here, here you go, right here. Yeah. Everybody lay down in the front row. They get the spirit. Set a church up every single time. Every single time. Redeemer. I heard yes. that so many times. Yep. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Every time. The that, that, <laughs> listen. That, that, that's how that's the church I grew up on right there. And then yeah. preaching about 20 minutes. He's like, I'm gonna let you go. Before I let you go, he said about, about five times. I'm getting ready to close. Oh, yeah. oh, that's just the woman. Oh, yeah. He's trying to bait you in. That's what that cold word is. He tried to bait you that in and say that. Yeah. Never mean it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll get you the yeah. D flat. He tuned up. I'm right. like, I love the preacher. The old the country people, they be like, <laughs> what they say, he's my way maker, <laughs> the wheel in the middle of the wheel. I like the preachers <laughs> that do that. That shit. Oh, he yeah. gets it going, the yeah. alpha and omega. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's the doctor in hospital. Yeah. The, yep, the lawyer, yep. lawyer in the courthouse. Lawyer in the courtroom, <laughs> yes. Look, yeah. they'll go down the whole list. They they get you, you know, and then I'll be right there with them. I'm like, go ahead, Pastor, mm -hmm. I'm going with you. Come on. Yeah. But yeah. But we went on, I don't know, a whole tangent. I Absolutely. 
<laughs> they like, they like, can you get to the questions, please? Listen, I like to have fun on this podcast. We we, we have fun on here. It's all good. It's I talk Sunday. about church culture all day. Yeah, it's Sunday. Listen, I was listening to, I was getting in the spirit before I got, got on here. I was yeah. listening to camp spirituals and all that stuff. Oh, cool. Ooh, wow, old school. Yeah. That's how I like my, I can't, I can't oh, get yeah. I try to get with the new sound. It's too many times with the gospel, the new gospel. <sighs> too many times, yeah. too many minor chords, too many E chords and, and A chords. Yeah. I, I don't, A minor, I can't get with that. I got to get me an A flat. Give me some flat chords, <laughs> God dog. Like that song right there? Give me some flat chords that sound yes. like it's, it's at the juke joint. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm at the juke, mm -hmm. about to give me a whiskey. Sour or in the church, that's what I like. My gospel. Listen, I want my gospel to sound like yeah. that. <laughs> wow, but that's yeah, it. Uh, just, listen, grow church culture is for me. I don't have a church hurt story, so it's like for me, it's just realizing most of it was just people just making up rules just because. And once I realized that, it really got nothing yeah. to do with the Bible, it's just. Oh, y'all just made this up because y'all don't like it. Right. It ain't got nothing to do with being exactly. biblical reference. And so I ain't got no exactly. beef with Jesus or none of that. Or his people. It's just, you just ain't going to tell me what to do with my life. It's like, once we make yeah. that clear, it's like, all right, I can get with it, you know? Yeah. Still love the Lord. <laughs> I pay my tithes. I That's just it. went to somebody's uh, Facebook Live Baptist church or church, uh, mm -hmm. non denomination uh, church this morning. <laughs> I pay my tithes. You know? I mean, I go, I may go every once in a while, you know, but it ain't mm -hmm. my daily ritual, just being a track. Right, that's right, my right, excuse, right. being a track tour musician. It's like, I'm on tour. I can't go this Sunday. Right. You know, there's churches everywhere. It's just, not this Sunday, maybe next Sunday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Listen. So, <laughs> right. So, man, I, I'm sure it wasn't uh, pressure because what you're saying, your, your dad's just, um, catalog of music before uh transitioning into having his own church i'm sure that like you said your experience you just had a baby of different experiences so i'm sure you didn't feel limited or felt like you were constrained with being a church but what was that turn for you in terms of i guess wanting to do it or just like the just the capability of saying like when did when did you find your voice in that aspect? Um, I I guess I can answer this like twofold. So of course, because I mean I I think the confidence that I built singing in front of the audience or like singing live is different than the confidence I built singing in the studio very mm -hmm. different two two different things um mm -hmm. but they both for me they both came from the same place so i said earlier mm -hmm. that you know my church choir turned into a recording artist and so um we had we, we recorded our um albums at the church so at our church we had mm -hmm. a studio and so um, my uncle who played keys, uh, like I said, he works with Jimmy Jan, Terry Lewis now, incredible, incredible producer. Um, but he, that's, that's where he started. So, um, I would be in the studio with him, you know, like till three o'clock in the morning, just like falling, falling asleep. And he looked at me and he'd be like, <laughs> you can hang. 
you can hang? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm 11. Like, I'm running up the <laughs> But um, right. like, no, we in the studio. If you're going to be in the studio, we working. I'm like, all right. So, I mean, I had that as a kid. Um, and so I think being able to find where I fit in the studio, it took a little longer than um, – me finding where I was able to fit in a live context because I had more opportunity to do it in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really get to find my voice um, as far as like in the studio until like, until I was like 16. Um, around that time, I just started like, you know, trying my hand at like making beats first. Um, couldn't play at all, still can't play. But I knew enough to like, you know, you know, right, right, record right. one note, go back, record another note, record it, and then go back, record another note, and it will, it will make record. Um, so, right, uh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I would do. But I always knew how to write. Um, I was really into writing um, music and writing. Um, when I was a kid, I used to write scripts uh, for like movies, and so I was really into writing. Um, and so. Um, being able to like find my voice as a songwriter and also as a like a a vocalist in the studio um mm-hmm. that came at a later time and i think i was just able at a certain point i was like you know this is what i want to do i always knew this you know being in music was what i wanted to do um i tell the story often the first time i heard brandy full moon i was seven years old on the way to disney world um with my aunt and uncle and I was like this is the craziest most perfect thing I've ever heard in my life how do I get to do this number one who who did this um that's how I learned about uh Dark Child and LaShawn Daniels uh because at that time mm-hmm. you know you could read the credits and so I did that mm-hmm. um and I was like you know I I want to dedicate my life to trying to make something as perfect as this um and so 23 years later that's what i'm trying to do um and so um yeah i was just like if i'm gonna do this i need to get good like i need to get good at it i want to start writing writing for artists um and so let me just try so i a lot of a lot of what i did was just self-teach myself like i I feel like i'm self-taught um because literally my dad would have a mic um because my dad would have his own setup um, but I would use this mic. Mm-hmm. I, my, I first started on Reason. Um, uh, that was like an old school DAW that I used to use. Um, and then I switched over to Logic and I just started like singing my ideas, like singing my different harmonies, singing my different melodies. Um, I would sing a lot of covers. Um, if people have been following me for like a long time, they, they would know that I started out on SoundCloud singing different covers mm-hmm. um they're still up there now and just it, literally through that i was able to like build my confidence as a vocal arranger as mm-hmm. a vocalist um as a vocal producer um learning mm-hmm. how to produce myself and from that you know the you know my ogs they were like you know you kind of you got something special and you know they helped me um and just started inviting me on into the process um and really, from that, that's how it kind of like snowballed. 
um, into everything um, that's kind of happening now. I had the opportunity, you know, I'm thankful for my father. He allowed me to uh, write on his first first project um, around like 2012. That was like my senior year in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And that was the first time I, first time I wrote a song that other people heard because it was for a live recording. So other people mm -hmm. heard the song. Um, and then I was able mm -hmm. to sing with him. And so that was kind of the first time that people were able to like hear my voice as someone who had been working from the ground up. Cause like I said, I, I was going through puberty and so my range dropped. And so I had to figure out what I wanted to sound like. I had to figure out, you know, what my range was again. Um, and so, you know, having the opportunity to do that really helped and just the reception from it, um, it kind of just helped me like move forward. And, you know, I, I saw how people, you know, liked it. And I was like, all right, well, you're doing okay, Jamil, like keep going. And so, yeah, I, I think for the most part, that part is self-taught for sure. Um, especially mm -hmm. like, you know, being in the studio. Cause I think just with studio, it's just so different that like, it's something that you have to do. Like you just have to keep doing it until you get mm -hmm. better at it. Um, Cause like just the whole process of like hearing your voice back through a machine, it's not like in church where you sing mm -hmm. the song once and it's done. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you gotta yeah. like hear yourself back. You gotta learn how to stack vocals. You gotta learn like, you just have mm -hmm. to learn your voice in a whole new way. Um, and so um, I, I just think I had the, um, the desire, the drive, and like the work ethic to just like confront myself in that way. Just knowing like, learning how to be embarrassed by what I hear, learning how to like work on myself, mm -hmm. like self-improvement. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say, I, and it's sorry for a long answer, but I would say that it, it's something that's broken up. No, 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 you're good. Um, because, you know, I, I wasn't able to like have um an upbringing where i was just so used to singing in the studio like i was in the church mm -hmm. um and so but i mean it worked out to where <laughs> to where I'm, I'm cool with both now i love to do both um, i'm good with either application at this point so yeah it worked out <laughs> no you 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 answered that perfectly uh it's good you explain it like that because so the listeners can get a full scope of what you're talking about and so mm -hmm. what you're talking about, that's that's like skill. Like, I think it's just something about the ones that I feel like that can do it professionally, that can do it consistently and can get work. Mm -hmm. You have to perfect it in that way. Because I'm, I'm the same way when it came. I mean, yeah. with, it, I, it, it was the same. Like, I get like uh, playing in church live versus playing in studios totally different, even though I use the same, like, uh, the discipline of like getting it right the first time, that was more of my, right. what I took from, like, like, cause in church, like you're really dealing with the, the, the energy, which, you know, from a jazz standpoint, like being trained that way, that's mostly what church was when I learned it was mm -hmm. improv. Cause it's like you rehearsing a song that maybe mm -hmm. four minutes long, but whenever you, Get in front of the sun to get in front of the congregation it turned into 10 minutes because the spirit correct you know, that's part of the improv and you know how to stretch the song and then if you're good mm -hmm. you know which part that's going you know what i mean because if the the choir mm -hmm. singing absolutely I'm on the battlefield you know that song 
you know, getting the spirit on, and you know that the art directors break the harmonies up, and she gonna yep. want the musicians <laughs> to quit playing, and then it's gonna keep mm-hmm. repeating until they get tired of singing. And so, but yeah, it's yeah. just that that energy in terms of getting it right, and then you can like, you know, you can ex- once you get it right, you can expand it, you know, and play it, you know, and do your thing with it. But studio is mostly, yep. I know from my experience, just recording, it was like just in the beginning it was just filled in space so it's like the producer like like just in church is like is it okay is it good all right go to the next one it's sort of that it wasn't mm-hmm. like you know what i mean it was just work it wasn't like yeah. oh yeah. man we're chilling it's like no we're right. done yeah. because the record label once it's done <laughs> once it's done before the day's over with so it was a lot like that Listen, they paying for and studio time labor yeah yeah, and then when they know you can do everything, they like, oh yeah, get her to do this since she's already there. Mm-hmm. Get her to do about four more songs. Mind you, I'm always supposed right. to be there. They're like, no, oh, do these two for you know? No, she just right. fine. Just get her to do this, you know. So <laughs> and yeah. just like any yep. other job in America, it's like once they realize you can do it, they're like, oh, go ahead, you be all right. Just get these real exactly. quick before the day. Right. Over. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that I was totally. Quick. Get you want to do another one? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. That's exactly the experience, Mel. That's exactly how it was. Right. <laughs> I, and LaShawn, I, I got to work with him. Uh, you know, I hate mentioning this man named the 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 the, the bad boy guy. You know, not to reference uh, him. Yes. You know, I know he yeah, and yeah, yeah, was, okay. mm-hmm. You know, but through that connection, <laughs> I knew Justin. Uh, <laughs> Justin Walker was working on one of those uh, artists on his labels that and ended up doing some demos for for that and LaShawn would come in mm-hmm. and I would just play the part and he would sing it to me and just taking direction from him and how he want I was like how do you want this and he would me and him would just but yeah it was a good time uh, that's yeah. when when you start collaborating outside of when it was more like songwriters that were helping me besides mm-hmm. the producer that, that's when it was fun because LaShawn was a good time he was one of those guys Man. For me, I'm like, if nobody made it into heaven, he made it in because <laughs> he, he talked about God so much the way it was like, sir, yeah. I, I just said hi. I don't need all these Christian salutations. Because <laughs> I, I grew up Listen. in church, but he was just OD with it. But he was just, Listen. to me, I get Listen. sad because it's like, yeah, it was like, I would go from being sad and then laughing because he was that guy. He told me, <laughs> he told me because I, I would talk about stuff or whatever. We would have conversations and I tell him, the stuff I had going on. He's like, you got an unsaved bed. That's what he told me. <laughs> he told me I had an unsaved bed. I'm like, you ain't gonna make me feel bad about it. Yeah, I'm like, you can't, you can't make me feel bad about nothing, sir, okay? <laughs> and it was like, you know, he's going to a whole Christian Bible scripture. I'm like, I don't care nothing about that. I am in my 20s That's and having fun. I don't care nothing about what you Having talking. a good time. That's why yeah. I'm freaking out. Yeah, I'm having a good time. I don't care nothing about what you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, uh, LaShawn, like you just learning that, like that being your pinnacle of, mm-hmm. in which you transition perfectly to my next question in terms of, because I feel like everybody has this the pinnacle artists. I feel like, you know, like when I say introduction music, like that artist, that's that go-to for you. Like who's that pinnacle for you? Who's that? I know you said Brandy, but is it added on to that or who else, who else is added on to that, that pinnacle artist for you? So I actually have a few, um, if you don't mind. Um, mm. They're, 
Go ahead. Listen, um, man. Go ahead. That's what we do. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so I, I have like four, no, five albums. And it's not really an artist because I do know that artists, they can go through like ebbs and flows, just their artistry. And so I focus, I'm really like album focused. I'm album centric. Um, but they're like five albums that mm. I always say changed mm. my life, changed the way that I heard music. Um, and so the first one, of course, is Full Moon. Uh, the second one, um, Voodoo mm. by D'Angelo. Now, actually, D'Angelo yes. might be that artist because D'Angelo has never let me down. <laughs> mm. uh, he's never right. let me down. Um, Voodoo, I heard Voodoo a little later because, of course, I mean, I, I wasn't a kid listening to Voodoo. Um, but mm-hmm. when I heard it, just, you know what? You know what it was? Especially with Voodoo and um, Full Moon, I think the church kid in me recognized, like, it recognized that church element or like those gospel influences. And so mm-hmm. the way that they were doing it was just so, it was gospel, of course, but it was still like, it was swaggy. Like it, it had like that type of, you know, mm-hmm. energy to it. And I found that to be so mm-hmm. alluring. Like it was just so interesting to me because I never, I never, you know, well, I never wanted to be an artist in the first place, but if I did do music as an artist, I knew I wanted to do R&B. I always know I wanted to do R&B. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to do gospel. <clears throat> um, um, and I think that's that's just because of my influences. And so, um, Voodoo, Full Moon. Um, what else? Uh, there's another one. Stankonia. There you go. Um, by Outkast. Yeah grew up on that when i first heard that that completely blew my mind just what they were able to just do with sound it's it's just i think that's what it comes down to Mm -hmm. i think it's just so genius and i think that's why i love i love music those are the moments that make me love music just like what you're able to do with sound um and so stankonia later down the line came to pippa butterfly that i mean one of my, I, I would say that that's my favorite mm-hmm. hip hop album of all time. So Pippa Butterfly completely changed everything for me. Um, and then uh, Graduation by Kanye West. So the, I think those five mm-hmm. albums were really just paramount and like defining my ear. Like a lot of what I love about music, they're in those albums. Um, not always in those artists. Cause again, like, especially with a person like Kanye, you know, I, I can't even recognize him anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I can't recognize his artistry anymore. <laughs> the thing that made me fall in love with right. him, you know, in 2004, I can't recognize it anymore. So I, I, I like to focus it in on albums uh, because I think that they deserve equal, mm-hmm. you know, equal reverence to artists. Um, and, you know, depending on what album it is, I think the legacy of an album, um, it may actually outrun the legacy of an artist you know, and you know, a lot of times, because a lot of people you'll hear, you know, especially with Brandy and like D'Angelo, Full Moon and Voodoo, they are responsible for influencing a whole generation of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of artists. Um, <clears throat> artists who actually have never heard, you know, any of the previous, their previous works, but just that album made them like, you know, 
oh, I'm gonna do this for real. And so yeah, I, I, but I would say those five albums helped me, you know, in that way. Yeah, you listen, you you starting off. That's just a pinnacle right there. I think for me, it's just like, that's absolutely mine too, D'Angelo. I think understanding what it was like his creative process with that. I think the only thing that I try to like haze out because they like fuck up the vibe of just wanting to listen to it is mostly the the debates on Twitter about, you know, going from Neo Soul. And I then I hate, it gets into another mm. conversation that, I plan to have with in terms of the journalism that happened back then. And, you know, what's so crazy is that, you know, the vibes and the, all those, those, the source, the reason why those magazines was created because, you know, uh, uh, publications like Rolling Stone and uh, back then in Vogue, all them, you know, that covered black artists, they never fully understood that music. So when it's like those artists that came out in the 90s and then they're still going out with their sophomore album, their sophomore album never peaked like they wanted it to because you had, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying this because, you know, trying to be, you know, disparaging, but it just was shitty. Like if you look up, like all the articles back then of these artists, they're just, they're just horrible takes on, yes. and it's mostly from yeah. white journalists and they wrote books yep. about it. like. Just, <clears throat> me reading all these different excerpts and, and, and what they would say, like even going back to like the early 90s with the New Jack mm-hmm. and all those different artists, like even a guy, Jody yeah. C, SWV, they said, I read an article, I read a, a, a piece of a book where this dude said that Jody C sounded like somebody let their kid brothers in the studio and just play, like really? Like this is, this is how you hear, this is a white, this is what they were writing. Like this ain't me making yeah. it up. Like they're saying, and then they said, "Oh, SWV's week it was lackluster, and the human nature it, it's okay." Like that's white journalism for that time. So yes. just imagine yes. if there were like the black journalists of today, like me having a publication, if we were able to write about these artists in their prime, mm-hmm. how much bigger? Like because if it wasn't for a vibe and source, you know, telling how. You know, if they would have even hit platinum status, if they wasn't writing about it, because yeah. they were the culture. And Rolling they always, yep. that's why, listen, it goes into so many different conversations. That's why uh, people making a big deal about journalism failing now. It's like, no, this is what happens when you allow these people to write the stories yep. on artists where they're yep. completely blind to what's happening. And they're always yep. late to the culture because they're not tapped into it because they don't want to understand it. Like, they don't understand D'Angelo's they didn't understand it back then because they thought it was yeah. like, sloppy and which that's what it was. But that Dilla Dilla uh, just exactly pro- reprogrammed everybody's heads during that. Yeah. And it's not it's not neo soul. It's not a genre no. that unfamiliar. It's cool in a gang. It's uh, Herbie Hancock. It's it's uh, yes. George Duke. Yeah. George Duke was doing yeah. that on Dookie Stick. Like, it's, it's it's so many musicians that already captured that sound is because the time period was completely hip-hop and r&b sonically where there was no instrumentation and i told maxwell this uh i i interviewed him off the record and i was like dude i was like because most people don't even know his his uh that urban hanks week was uh shelved for two years it came out in 94. wow they shelved it uh for two years i mean yeah uh, for for a year until uh, D'Angelo's Brown Sugar, and that's when they put it out. Yeah, 
It was wow. uh, Maxwell said they showed it. And then Maxwell, he started out doing house music because he came from, I mean, he's from Brooklyn, but he recorded in Chicago. And so he was doing house music before he did Urban Hank Suite because Nate. Uh, that makes so much um, sense. Nate Robinson, uh, he he's uh, uh, the, the founder of uh, the, the music group uh, entertainment uh, record label that signed MC Light. He said he was going to okay. sign Maxwell, but he was doing the house. I was like, why didn't you why why did you sign him? Because I thought it was crazy that he didn't sign right. Maxwell, but he said he was doing house music. And at the time, you know, even though it was in, that just wasn't their market because they were doing hip hop. He said right. if he was doing, right. if he would have brought on Urban Hayes Sweet, then. But yeah, it's just stuff like that. You learn mm -hmm. like the marketing with records. And I think because they marketed and it started with Erica, that's when they started coining it. Keydart started mm -hmm. uh, coining the term Neo Soul, but it wasn't for that coining that, then I think it would have been more receptive to what he was doing. But all D'Angelo was doing mm -hmm. was just, you know, Funkadelic Parliament. It was just gearing up towards what he was already doing and what Black Messiah is. That's all that is. It's just a precedent of what he yep. did with Buddha. Yeah. People yeah. that, you know, like I said, unmusical whites. Listen, I, I whites. talk free on yes. my show. Fuck all that. I, listen, <laughs> listen, the unmusical whites. You follow me. You, know. you follow me. You, you I know. Let's go there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's listen, go there. I can't do this with some, listen, some of them. Like it, it's just for me. It, even with the 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 bastard that wrote that uh, the the old co-founder of uh, Rolling Stone, that bastard that wrote that mm -hmm. book that nobody cared about. Yep. Fuck that book. Right. Talking about the masters exactly. of of fucking. I was like, I was like, you got the audacity. Like it's just blatant to where you don't, you just don't want to give black artists credit. And mind you, you came up with Rolling Stone. That was from a black man named Muddy Waters' song "Rolling Stone" from your favorite artist yes. that took the song and made it his name of their band. But I was like, it's yeah. ironic. You you don't you don't want to credit black artists, but you'll take the name of it to to main your publication. That's that's super ironic. Yep. And that and that's <laughs> the thing. That's the thing with them. <laughs> that's that's really the thing with them. Like even though you don't want to give black artists credit, there is no possible way that we are not going to be the conversation, especially when we're talking about music, because literally exactly. we created, we created all of this. So, exactly. I mean, the only, the only thing that you know that you have is the power of a narrative, which is why, mm -hmm. which is why we see these different things like Neo Soul. Like I, I do not consider Voodoo a Neo Soul album because of what you just said. Me like right. you can hear it and you can very clearly hear its predecessors. Like from 20 years ago, like you can, or like 30 years ago at that time, but you can, you can hear the, all those things in the music. So what is so Neo about it? It's more, it's more of a continuation than it is like a new thing. And I think that, mm -hmm. um, especially for me, that's what I love about black music. It's a continuation. It's always a, mm -hmm. a circle. It's always going to go in a circle. What you hear, well, maybe not now, cause I don't know what's going on with, uh, black music now but at a certain point what you heard um it can it, it has parents it has grandparents you can it can be traced back it has that lineage it has that heritage there yeah. um and so i like you know I, I definitely agree with you like it was a marketing scheme um it was a lazy marketing scheme honestly um that did more of a disservice to 
a period of time where um, not only the music of that time should have had more credit, but the the artists who inspired that time should have had more credit for for what they contributed mm-hmm. to the Baduisms and the Mama's Guns and the Voodoo's and mm-hmm. um, you know all all of the music that came out during that time. Um, so yeah, I you know it's just that's that's sadly what the music industry has become just lazy marketing. Um, and mm-hmm. like I said, the power of narrative it can it can shift the conversation. Um, to wild places into places that ultimately discredit black artistry and that i'm not with I, i'm not ever with that yeah um i don't care to hear my news or my criticism about black art in general from white mm-hmm. people just period because i mean there's there's certain entry points and yeah. certain reference points that you just don't have you don't mm-hmm. you don't get you don't you know you don't hear voodoo and like oh that's quartet like oh that's dealing like you don't yeah. you don't hear that because you're not a part of that culture, and I mean that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know I don't care. I, I'm not I'm not a part of the whole integration type thing. But you know, giving black art, giving black writers that opportunity, I wish they had that opportunity to be able to like write about you know our music of that time. I love now because now, um, well, it's a little dicey with journalism, journalism and criticism now, but usually what comes out is from black writers and i do appreciate that because they yeah. just understand they understand the culture i i don't i don't want to hear from a white writer who grew up in the suburbs of illinois talk about drill chicago drill music it does not make sense just because you can do it doesn't mean yeah. you should so you know I'm, I'm actually very specific about that um i'm a person who loves context and if your context as a person does not match the context of the music, there's no reason I should be listening to you because you're already starting off on a different level. Like you're starting off on the wrong level for me. So, yeah, that's yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that for sure. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of amplifying the black publications because we don't. Mm-hmm. And mind you, when we do write, it's and it's all of the like albumism uh they do album anniversary like i do album anniversaries and talk about i'm starting to get back into it now because uh i'm starting mm-hmm. to get that into you know because i feel like it's important because that whole thing even though i saw the importance of it before because it was certain albums that came out last year i felt like need to, to be talked about and praised but even beyond that just the old co-founder of rolling stone saying that it's like this is the perfect time to amplify black journalism, just black publications, because there I can name all yeah. of them like that grape juice, uh, this is R and B. Some of I ain't gonna name all of them because some of them is white on publicate uh publications perpetrating like they know R and B. I ain't all well. <laughs> R and B matters. And so listen, yeah. I listen, I listen. Don't let me get messy and start naming names. Y'all know who it is. White <laughs> old publications that are doing strictly R&B music. That's what I'm talking about. Take it. What Megan yeah. trying to say, the hit dog holler, take it however you want to. I don't care. Exactly. I don't care nothing about that. If you, you ain't you ain't part of this yeah. culture just because you you write about uh, yeah. SWV 702 don't mean you know everything about black music or right. cultures. Right, exactly. But that's how they do. They'll yep. come in and infiltrate it and then try to Add on to what everybody else doing and try to tag mm-hmm. along with the oh what do you what do you think is the best album get out of here with that right. it's like they'll take, right. try to take exactly. credit for the stuff that already existed in terms of the online conversation and, and complex and all them they do that too where they'll 
still they steal my tweets all the time. They take they take oh, people's yeah. tweets and make conversations about it on Instagram and you know all oh, that yeah. stuff. But oh, yeah. just the importance of black publications and we get and the, the sad thing is when we go to interview the 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 A list celebrities they group us in. Unfortunately, we get grouped in with the gossip. Uh, you know the name. I ain't got to wow. drop them, but all the yeah. gossip. But yeah. we get grouped in with that. So when Tyler the mm-hmm. Creator is talking about, we, we just want to talk about. I'm like, yeah, we got podcasts where we talk strictly about music and don't go into your personal life. But y'all rather go to yeah. the complexes and the the NPRs where these goofy motherfuckers exactly. just got it that day. Mind you, the the exactly. entry level job. The, Freelance writers, they mostly got that on their desk that day. Like, they're not paid mm-hmm. to specifically have their own stories. They don't even get to pick their headline, and then they get paid maybe 100 or $200 per article and don't even get to pick their own shit. I didn't want to go that route. I'm yeah. like, I'm already yeah. a musician. I had the privilege of having a background in the music industry, but I wanted mm-hmm. to highlight my writing. I could afford to start my own publication, and that's how I started. And you know, yeah, it's just a matter of, which I did the same thing, you know, Rolling Stone, I did the same thing because he just had, he. but my the difference between that is I actually have a background in music and people want to actually, right. from, it's just like with sports analysts now to where they're hiring more former athletes. It's like, you rather hear a former athlete talk about sports, uh, analyzing right. it on TV versus somebody that was a, a, a goofy nerd in school that likes the stats right. and all that stuff. You want to hear from an right. actual player. I actually play mm-hmm. instruments. I actually produce music and write songs, so I know how it's constructed. Yeah. And so when you get respect, and then, you know, listen, we go into, it goes in so many different directions because it's a lot of ego-driven people in journalism. That's why I'm not halfway yeah. feeling bad for some of these people get layoffs because they a lot of them are assholes, and so I don't respect it. So that's I'm kind of, I won't be fair, but, you know, you know, because they no, be trying real. to act like because and we got the same. That's the thing. We all got the same access to people with with you know, mm-hmm. and they they try to act like you know, oh because you get credentials at certain like dude, you asking for credentials. I'm already there at the venue, so we we operate on two different right. levels. So, you know <laughs> exactly. They yes. be bragging or or being evident yes. that we're not, but they try to make it a an arrogant thing of like, oh. My, my stuff is doing better than yours. I'm just trying to, like, I'm trying to, you know, get everybody together and make some money together, but they don't want to make money right. together. I'm talking about all the yeah. R&B, the Black-owned publications. I'm trying to get them together to make mm-hmm. money, but they be so separate. Right. That's most, that, listen, so many different directions. Mel, let me let me get back on track, because yeah. I'll go on a whole rant talk about these nah, journalists you're telling the truth. today. You are you telling know. the truth. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, you it's, you talking about D'Angelo's. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Bobby. I need to cut you off. Oh no, and I was just saying, like, it's it's a shame. Like, I I really want better for like especially like what we do for ourselves and like for our music. Like I think it mm-hmm. we can't operate in the same way that they do <clears throat> because again, just that power of narrative. Like we have to know that number one you know, we don't necessarily have it. Um, and so that should cause us to stick together more <laughs> and not to let ego and like, mm-hmm. you know, right. stuff like that get in the way. Cause honestly, you know, I know what you had to do to get that credential. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I know what you had to do because right. they asked me to do that thing and I just didn't do it. 
So, you know, right. you know, let's put the ego aside and like let's find a way to build together. So, you know, I'm I'm totally with that. Um, yeah, I'm with that. And it's about the same in the, the music industry. You were talking about you don't know what's going on. Oh, I think yeah. the most of the thing is, I think the problem with it, and I've seen some of these artists say online they're trying to bring Neil Soul back. I would tell them not to do that because just like the limitations that put on the artists before you that did that, it's going to put limitations on you in terms of where you could go. But it doesn't mean that Neo Soul, I'm not trying to make it seem like it's a derogatory word, but what I'm saying is it's going to put you in a box to where that's what mm -hmm. it did for those artists. Like what Bilal mm -hmm. did, I wouldn't even consider that Neo Soul because no. he pulled from jazz. No. All these artists never pulled from the same sources. Bilal, of course, Prince in the revolution. Of course, mm -hmm. you, of course, of course, of uh, course. jazz. It had more of a jazz and I, and I mm -hmm. interviewed him and he said, well, I don't know if he still feels this way. He said, if you call him Neil Soul, he going to cuss you out. So I don't know if he still feels that way. That was his I'm sure he still feels that way. <laughs> but but sure he, he said that, that I, he, right. And he's like, what I'm doing is from pulling from jazz and you keep putting me in this category when, when it's mm -hmm. other white artists, you hear them doing the same thing. You call that jazz and all that stuff. Yep. But when I do it, it's Ooh. Neil Soul. And it's like, and, and Marsha oh, and Rosa said the same thing. I think they just quit. I think they just surrendered to the idea of it and just like, you know, call mm -hmm. me whatever you want to. But I'm going to say it's not a genre. And I'm going to keep saying, right. I need to write an article. And yes. the episode is not a genre. I keep saying I'm going to do it. Yes. It's yes. just, it's, to the new artists, do not fall into that web of, you know, you can be inspired by the D'Angelo's and the Erica's, but you ain't got to label it. Don't label your music me so, because that's all, all the no. promoters. Oh, and it goes into a whole subject with uh, touring, with the promoters mm -hmm. and the business. But I think with yep. the music industry, I think it's just people, I think we have to work from those of us with privilege, we have to work it inside. Because I think a lot of times we wait for them to give, give the go ahead that this is cool and we just have to set the president of okay, we know what's wrong with the music industry they lack mm -hmm. with getting on with streaming and with the residuals royalties then we have I, right. and shout outs to the hundred percenters their uh organization yes. they're actually yes. trying to get legislation passed you know to because that's all it's going to take is being a union that is just going to get to that point where yeah. uh, the music yep. industry they're going to have to form a union because that's the only way we're going to get mm -hmm. listen we Listen, we were just talking about this the other, like a part of a, a album that did over a million on the streams. And what was what royalties am I getting from that? <laughs> I get paid more as yeah. a podcaster than, than I do on Spotify. Yeah, shout out to Spotify yeah. though. Hey, listen, it's a, a contradictory thing on my end because yeah. I still get paid through them, but not as a not as a writer. <laughs> yeah, me and my relationship with Spotify is okay. Right, uh, right, right, right. Listen, I know your credits, man. You did, you did, you had a fantastic year last year, which we're gonna get to. We're man. gonna get to your music in terms of perfect segue, Mel. We gonna we gonna skip past that and get straight to okay. <laughs> listen your credits. We are gonna get to the credits. It's important to talk about. You you mentioned uh, when I asked you about your, your uh, just you honing your voice and learning. You said the Brandy album, Full Moon, and you were talking about just really, really digging into that. In terms of the, the credits that you have now, you got it 2012, 2013, 2014. 
when when did that become comfortable for you in terms of like I got this like you knowing your style as a as a producer songwriter when did that come to you in terms of what your style is honestly maybe about like three years ago is when I really started getting comfortable nice. okay. um mm -hmm. and I think it's it's another one of those like two-tiered answer things because um we talked you, you talked about collaboration and I think I, I've just now been able to collaborate with different people um at first okay. most of the work that I was doing was by myself um I would just be in my mm -hmm. room or I go down to my basement and I'll just write it sing it I would mm. you know do a rough mix send it off you know, and just do it that way. Um, I really didn't have an opportunity to be in the room with other people um, mm. um, until, like my first writer's camp was for uh, Leslie Odom. We worked out of mm -hmm. George Lucas's uh, studio in, um, in San Francisco. And so being there was so intimidating, number one, because I did not, I didn't know Leslie Odom. Um, mm. <laughs> And it's funny I'm saying this whole name. I didn't know Leslie um, at that time. <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually made a tweet saying, "Hey, I would love to work with Leslie Odom one day." Um, and I just I did that maybe like three times. Um, and then he reached out mm -hmm. to me. He was like, "Yo, I got a writers camp um, working on my new album. I would love for you to come." And so they've been working his team had already been working together for his previous album and so they had just like a rapport and just a relationship that i was really coming in as a new guy i was coming in as the guy with the least credits i was coming in with the guy like i was the youngest actually the youngest in the room and so that was just intimidating intimidating in itself and i think collaboration it really pushes you to like believe in your voice um and that was an exercise of just that um, I really had to like trust what I could do because I've done it before. At that point, I've been doing it, you know, for a while. Um, and so, you know, just being comfortable enough to say like, you know, these are my ideas. And if they suck, they suck. That's cool. I can go back and write some new ones, like, because this is what I do. But right. being brave enough to say like, just to put your ideas on the chopping block, it's just really, that's not, that didn't come easy for me. Um, and so I, I feel like just through that whole process, I've been able to, um, to like, you know, just believe in myself and just have confidence in myself. Another example is I did a, I've been doing some, uh, writing sessions with Terry Lewis of Jerry, of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, which mm. is intimidating in itself because it's Terry mm -hmm. Lewis, like right. literally wrote <laughs> like right. everything under the sun <laughs> so yeah that was that was intimidating but like being able to like you know tell him hey that idea is cool but i think i got a better one like that in itself that's a practice that's something mm -hmm. that i had to like practice and be okay with or you know the opposite i mean you know he asked like yeah sing sing your idea for me real quick and i'm like okay and i sing it and he's like eh, i don't know it could be better go back and do it and i'm just like Okay, did it did Terry Lewis just say my idea suck? Like, cause that's just a different right, <laughs> right. Like, okay, well maybe I should quit. I don't know. Like, I, I should quit. I'll just go home. Um, 
And so, you know, <laughs> just I, I, I've just been able to do that in like the last, you know, three to four years. Um, and so I think that has helped me build just a new, a new level of confidence in myself um, to where now in 2024, I'm like, oh, I got this. I can go in pretty much any room and be like, I've done the hard part. I've done the hard thing. And so all I just need to do is just trust myself, trust my gut. And just be open to other people's ideas. I think by me being open to collaboration, it made me stronger as an individual because I'm no longer afraid or, you know, afraid of rejection or afraid of, you know, what other people mm-hmm. may think um, about my process, which is something that is, um, which is something I wish more songwriters would talk about, just the difference in processes. Um, some people may write slower. That's not that's not because mm-hmm. you suck. It just may be because your process is that way. And so, um, yeah, just all of those things, all of those different practices, me me being able to be in different rooms, writing with people and, you know, just getting out of my own echo chamber. It really just helped me grow into mm-hmm. um, a formidable collaborator. Um, and so, yeah. Holding on to us. Mm-hmm. Which. You know what's so thing? It's so melodic and it's so I, I I love everything about that song. It's it's the the intricacies of how he plays with those notes. What was it specific about uh you writing on that 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 uh you could capture that magic in his voice? Cause I I love it. It's it's yeah, so it's just um, something about it, it just it touches. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I actually love working on that song. Um, I wrote that with um, uh, Sam's Ashworth. He's an incredible songwriter. He's worked with her. Um, he, yeah, he's worked with pretty much everybody. Um, and oh my God, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. I feel bad. But um, I wrote it with another writer. So it was three of us who were writing the song. Um, and honestly, right. I think that was one of the first sessions I did at the camp. And so um, I was still filling everybody out. Um, I was able to like put my, my two cents in and, you know, get a couple of lines off and then help me kind of like structure the song and structure the melody um, a little bit. Um, and so I, I was super grateful for that, but I will say from that, um, I was able to be in the studio when Leslie was, doing the vocal um and he was you know he knew what i could do so he's like jamel come up to the come up to the uh console and like vocal produce this like you know does it sound good like does it sound right how i'm doing it which was super cool because i'm like you know again we're new i'm I'm, well i'm new um this is a new relationship so i don't want to like impede on your process but if you are asking i think you should do this Um, and so, mm-hmm. but no, the way, the way that Leslie works, his voice is incredible. Um, his, like, he's so intentional with like how he mm-hmm. delivers a vocal. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think I ended up learning more from him, um, than the other way around. Of course, I helped him with some melody, mm-hmm. some melody stuff that made it onto the album. I thought that was really cool. Um, which, which part? I can kind of. So more so like in the verses. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So like, like all of those movements, 
Um, okay, you know what? Like, that dude kind of got a little brandy in it. That I was wondering that because yeah. I always try to <laughs> capture songwriter styles. It, it has that that feel to it. So I get yeah, that. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, wow. it, it was cool helping him with that part and like going going back and forth and just like coming up with ideas. Um, mm. For the for the melody and also just for the delivery of it of it and um, mm-hmm. I you know he just he took it and made it made it come to life but yeah that that song was really cool because it allowed me to not only be in the songwriter space but it allowed me to showcase what I could do as a you know as a vocalist as a vocal producer like I, I really appreciated mm-hmm. him giving me that opportunity specifically um, because I am a songwriter who also vocal produces um, I I, I'm, yeah. I you know. I think they're both super important, um, which makes sense because LaShawn, yeah. LaShawn is like my hero. So, um, <laughs> so you know, I, I picked up a lot of things um, from him and just his example. And so him giving me that opportunity, especially with that song, and it came out so great. It came out so beautiful. I love that song. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Man, it's, it's just a great song, man. I want to play it right now hold on pull it up this this song is is just really great i mind mind you it's like a journey and that back beat it gives me that that eight spill but what y'all did vocal with it's great it's that it's seen him I was weeping like with him and a little app a little Adams like I, I I have to like space out when I watch them because when I listen to a little Adams I will literally oh, okay. weep okay yeah no but it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She, she's a whole different concept she's the pinnacle for me my top 10 we talk about top 10 singers oh she'll have me yes, laid sir. out I can't I, I went through is her that, is that it get here yeah I think so Man, yeah, listen. That's her first album is just yes. That's what it is from my first album. I was just listening to that. Mm-hmm. I, I, for the her whole, I think we her emotionally. It's just oh god. Still the same thing for me. For me, it's like then brings me into I lost you in terms of vocally, because of course I said, you know, the pinnacle. But it's just something about certain people's vocals. For me, I take in any style of this. I think I'll if you if you don't people they want to use a certain certain way, like 
have to hit those kind of notes, like the, you know, you had the, the 70s and 80s, like most singers, they came from the church, so they had a lot of those popular records that sounded like church, like the Melissa Morgans, the Mickey Howards, you know, they had those strong vocality, and so certain people's ears is keen to want to sound like that. For me, my ear can bend to anything. As long as I can feel what you're singing, I can connect to mm-hmm. it, just like with uh, a Journey, like uh, uh, Steve Perry, one of my top favorite vocalists. Like, mm. my top, If I just had one wow, without yeah. a genre, Steve Perry has the purest vocal I've ever heard. His voice is so mm-hmm. unique. And Asia from yeah. Kendrick, the family soul, like she just has a pure yes. tone to where it's like it touches my soul. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. need you to do all the vocal acrobats and the runs and all. Like just give me a pure right. vocal, and that's what I feel like a great singer is that knows no placement, that knows where the arrangement is going, that no, understands the spacing in songs. Like that's why I love Oleta Adams because the way she de- yeah. defines the because. The artist, the singer is supposed to define the spacing in it, like listening to the lyrics. If you got a demo, it's like understanding what everything's doing. Because if you understand the spacing, then you know how to add it. That's why Tony Braxton's in my yes. top. That's why Anita Baker's oh, in my top, because yes. they understood spacing and ad libs. That's why their ad libs could just float the way they wanted to. Even okay. uh, the new artist okay. now, I'll, I'll add a new artist. Uh, was it uh, Tamara Shanice from. Uh, from the Shindellas, like yeah, the way from she the Shindellas, the homie, yeah, yeah from the way, she, the way she, yeah, the way she floats, like that's what it gives me that, and and even uh, Jasmine Sullivan, we we could go there, we could go oh, yeah. to uh, oh, yeah. this new artist that can float, they could just float with the atlas, and then uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a new artist, I just saw them last year, but man, her vocals is great. Oh. Can't mention, can't can't talk about nobody but Samra Joy. Uh, uh, Sam, what's her name? Uh, Samra Joy. Yeah, Samara Joy. I seen yeah, her. Samara Joy. Listen, I seen her yeah. at uh live last year at the Hollywood Bowl. She is the one. Yeah. That vocals, oh, yeah. the way she oh, floats. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. I was like, man, she's she gonna be crazy. another one that's gonna have me laid out. At the front row of a concert, because yeah, if she put yep. she put out another album, that's like oh my god, yeah, incredible. But yeah, yeah so many of them that that have that ability, you know. And what 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 what's that for you? Like who who's that 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 vocally? I ain't gonna say no no Mount Rushmore because people keep taking that in other podcasts. I ain't gonna say <laughs> the top four of Mount Rushmore. But just somebody like when you hear them, that's singing to you. When you hear them, that like. Like that's the vocality I need to touch my soul. Well, um, so and, and I know y'all tired of hearing me say these names. Brandy, I I can't. Oh. Brandy is just <laughs> she. For me, she really reinvented some things in my mind just about singing and placement and just like yeah. what you can do with tone and vibrato, what you can do with runs, like how exactly you can make it yeah. fit. Um, D'Angelo is another one. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Um, and I really don't think enough people give him credit vocally. And you know what? It's it's funny saying that about D'Angelo because I feel the same way about Prince. I think Prince vocally, he just does. I don't know the way that he just sings and the way that he emotes. Oh. 
um the character is yes. character work and like he brings it to life but my my top two of all time of all time um aretha franklin and steve oh. wonder just <laughs> just the soul like the amount of soul that comes out of mm. those people like it's it it always and it's it's not just soul but it's like a freedom it's a freedom that they sing with like mm-hmm. and it reminds me so yes. much and i i guess i mean it reminds me so much of being in church you know um and it makes sense for them specifically because you know they grew up in the church well all four of the singers that i mentioned they grew up in the church and so and just like having that influence yeah. um and so they just have that that freedom and it's just like when you listen to them sing it's like they're not thinking they're not thinking much about it like i think the beautiful thing about aretha franklin like she'll just let out a whale and like it just mm-hmm. it hits it hits mm-hmm. um it hits your mm-hmm. soul like how it's supposed to um i will also say sade i think sade has a beautiful voice it's unconventional yes that's it for me yes yeah no oh no one can do Dude. a sade song justice to me like no one because no one has that just that slinkiness and like that vibe like yeah and she has it so effortlessly yeah um anita baker of course in my top um gladys knight incredible ah she's so good (laughs) she's so so good um of course you got to say dunny Hathaway. man he also he's another one that has that freedom and that soul it's in that stevie stevie wonder branch yeah 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 Yep. You can tell he's like, it feels like he's singing to the heavens every time he sings. And I think that's there's yeah, something so sure. beautiful about just having that freedom. We talk about Jasmine Sullivan. Um, you know, Karen mm-hmm. Clark Shear is still amazing. Um a lot of people, a lot of people may not know this person, but Eric Dawkins, um uh from Dawkins Woo! and Dawkins. Shout out to him. And Hope the underdog. So like Woo! Yeah, he yeah. that's that's family and he's just he's on another level. But like those those type of singers, there's a certain like sophistication that they have, but also just like the freedom that they have to just sing. I think that's just they're able to find that balance so well. And even Leslie Odom, you know, I, I love I love his voice. I think um when he did Forever Young yeah. at the um I think at Obama's like BET special, um, that's the first time I really just heard mm-hmm. his voice. And just, I think the intention that he gives everything, it's, it really is just, it's, it's great. It's great. Ooh. So yeah, I, I would say those vocalists, you know, plenty more, but off the top of my head, those people. Whether you need to be comforted, soothed or relaxed, Soul Savviness got you the ultimate getaway. You are listening to the Sounds of Soul Savviness podcast, where we are sure to put your mind, body, and soul at ease.